Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is. Drawing board or... Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into Center Court. I'm Mac McDonald. Ralph Sampson, of course, the star of the show. Is just I'm I'm looking at him as we speak, Ralph. It's uh, great to talk to you. Welcome into another week. Hey, another week, pre Christmas. Hey, it's the uh, end of the year, and all is well. We're standing toward the end of the year, and everything is good in the valley. So it's good. I found out my wife, who is a nurse, uh, just told me two days ago, she will have the vaccine in her arm next week. Oh, wow. So wow. one of the, I mean, at least close to my family, one of the first to uh, at least talk about it. And she's very, has a very, since she's a nurse, a very business-like approach to the fact that the vaccine is coming. And she goes, I know I have to have it. And so she goes, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I hope it works. You know, she'd be being well, we, very we, business-like. I, I'm going to be curious about how she feels. We have to get her on here and say the shot works and how she feels. Because they say the first one may be a little bit tougher, but the second one's supposed to be good. But glad she's getting it and because she she works in that field every day mm -hmm. i mean she's putting her life at risk almost every day remember remember the when flu shots first came out yeah. and people would get flu shots and they'd miss three days of work Absolutely. You know? i mean when people were still when we were still learning about the flu shot but as we get ready to wind down and i know you said it before we uh, got to rolling today 2020 has been just a wild ride it's been a crazy crazy ride wouldn't you agree Hey, I would agree from early 2020, uh, from Kobe Bryant to John Thompson to, uh, I mean, it's just crazy, to the, to the pandemic, to the election. It's just one of those years that you mark on your calendar of years that you kind of want to erase mm -hmm. and, and just move on because it's been a nightmare year for the, for the world. And uh, so hopefully we can put this thing to rest come New Year's and look forward to this vaccine and healing a lot of people from not only 
COVID, but also life because they need a lot of help out here. Yeah, absolutely. There was um, there was one note, uh, basketball and sports related, where the NCAA said on Thursday, they said, by the way, everybody's eligible again. They they're letting seniors come back, and it, they it's, have to. It's it's they a free to. agent market, but I, I to. totally agree with what the Division One Council did here. Yep. I think they should have did it at the end of I mean, last year, like, you know, all the seniors at UVA and all across the country, basketball-wise, they were in their conference tournament. So they, they had a little, little stint, but you, you kind of understand them. But the guys this year, I mean, come on, they, it's not even fair for the junior to now be seniors mm-hmm. to, to not come back and have another year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, they, they probably should have canceled it the whole year in the beginning, but I know the economics of it doesn't make sense. But you got to get those kids another shot. But then yeah. what do you do with the incoming freshmen that are in, uh, seniors in high school? Mm-hmm. So you got to oh, give them more. You should give them more scholarships, right? You yeah, give them a I, think more scholarships. Gotta, I think you've got to work a scholarship limit for sure. Uh, before we uh, before we go to break, a little tease for our guest. And uh, I talked to my daughter who's in her early 30s, and she said, you have Brian McKnight on your podcast. <laughs> I said, yes, we do. <laughs> Brian McKnight has got a voice that is just going to put us to shame. I'm, he, sh- he should just sing for 20 minutes and let us listen, I think. And, and we would do that. So good friend and <laughs> amazing voice. And I'm looking forward to uh, this interview. It's going to be fun. Be yeah, really fun. a guy who... who who signed with signed with Motown at one point? I think he signed his first uh, uh, deal, his first record deal at age 19. So yeah, this this guy knows what he's doing. It's going to be great. So Brian McKnight, right around the corner. We'll go to break. Welcome into Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winter Circle Radio Network. We'll be right back. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities, your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Dark is the night. I can weather the storm. Never say die I've been down this road before I'll never quit I'll never lay down mm-hmm. Well, Ralph, as we come back with, uh, with segment two, when you're getting ready to introduce our guest, I know you recognize the song playing in the background. Yeah, I do. It's... Uh... A song, actually, I, I think he remembers it, but I know it well. So when I had the foundation going a number of years ago, the song is called I Win. So I know, Brian, you remember that song probably pretty well. It had a lot of a lot of views and hits on social media, like 1.8 million views. So real special song. We had kids involved, so it was, it was pretty special. But, uh, uh, you know, once you hear the voice, you, you don't have to worry about the name. You've got to worry about the voice. So Mr. Brian himself, thanks for joining us. And... Uh, that, tell me about that song. That, that song is a special song for me, from you. 
Again, I played it with kids and foundations for, for a number of years. So I'm going to talk about that song first because I want to get that one out the way. <laughs> so I, uh, I got a call from the producers of this movie that was starring Robert De Niro and, and Cuba Gooding Jr., a movie called Man of Honor. And the producers asked me to come and do a screening because they wanted me to write the end title song after I saw it. So I went to the screening and I watched the movie and um, right when it was over, I said, okay, thanks, bye. They thought I didn't like it because I left so soon and I, I wasn't you know, talking to them about it. It's because I wrote the entire song in my head while I was watching the movie because I was so moved by it. I went straight to the studio and recorded that song for the movie. Um, yeah. So that's that was the special story behind that one. Oh, wow, wow. It's a good song, though. I mean, it's a, a, a classic, and uh, one of, I don't know if it's one of your favorites, but uh, it's one of mine, so it's good. They're all mine. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, Brian McKnight is our guest. I was so excited to have him. An American singer, songwriter, actor, record producer, plays a lot of instruments, and, and has just got a voice that will literally... <laughs> I mean, just make birds sing, I think. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It is so it is so pure. It's so perfect. Brian, I guess my first question to you would be, when did you know that you had pipes that could produce music like that? You know, that's the funny thing. I come from a, a family of folks that everybody sings. Uh, and not just sings a little bit. You know, at our family reunions, I'm basically the, the designated piano player for everybody else. We grew up singing in the church. so. It was more like I was kind of weirded out when I got to, to school for the first time because I thought that everybody in the world could sing because everybody in my world sang. And I was quickly disappointed when we got to my country tis of the and I'm looking around at the other kids in class. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, OK, now everybody uh, doesn't have it the way that we do. Um, I still practice and try to hone my craft. I'm never going to say that I have what other people say that I have. Uh, I always think I can get better. I'm always thinking that I'm at my best right now. But it is nice to hear when folks um, talk about it in a way that uh, that they appreciate it. Because I think that's what the gift is given for, um, regardless of the gift that you have, that is there to you know, give other people joy. So that gives me joy when they get it. So, so I can only imagine, I mean, I grew up in the church, but I can't sing a note. So my, <laughs> my mom and dad put me on the church choir, right? Cause they needed they needed an extra body, and then we were singing, and I didn't know the song, and I had to hymn them upside down, so I, I couldn't know the words. So they just said, "Just move your mouth, but don't say anything." So grew up in church. I, I mean, I, I got family members in in church or whatever. So it got to be a special moment because most people don't know. I'm sure you told your story many times, but you know what what this show is about for me is how you become. There's there's Brian Knight the person. There's Brian Knight the the the, the song singer all that stuff you did, right? I want to know more of the person, how you became that. You know, I know it from a basketball perspective, but somebody in there, mom, dad, kind of said, pushed you to do that. Actually, you know what? My, my parents really didn't push me to be a professional. They pushed my brothers and I to sing in church, and they pushed us to sing at every church every weekend, wherever we were. <laughs> okay. um, doing that, all four of us, I have three older brothers, and we were all yeah, athletes yeah. too. So, you know, if it was football season, I'd have to weigh whether I get it, get to the game at halftime and play or play till halftime because we had to sing somewhere always on the weekend. Uh, my father played baseball. Um, he was invited to Pittsburgh Pirates camp back in the 50s. But of course, in the 50s, that was at a time when 
you know, you, you could really only maybe have one brother on the team. And my, my dad was very discouraged by, plus he was an academic as well. So, you know, my dad ended up being basically a rocket scientist for his entire career working for Lockheed, but that's another story for another time. Right, right. It wasn't until my brother, who sings in a group called Take Six, they got their yep. big break that I then said, here's a possibility. Um, I always wanted to be a songwriter, and that's the first thing that I am. That's what I am in my essence. Uh, and that's how I got in. I was sending my songs everywhere, trying to get people to record those songs. And they were asking who was the singer, you know, who's playing the instruments, who's doing the producing. And it was like, well, that's all me. Well, do you want a record deal? I said, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I always thought that, you know, at some point I'll do music and then I'll get a look from the Clippers or the Lakers or somebody and I'll get an opportunity to who. And it's funny at 51, I, I can tell you that at least once a week, I still dream that they're calling my name and I'm going out to start uh, in an NBA game. It's still. Okay. Who, 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 who Clippers, Lakers, who's the team? You know, what? Really, I, I say this all the time. I think that when I was at my best, I could have sat the bench for any NBA game. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> what the, okay. But oh, the style of play today, who would it be? Because, you know, it's different oh, than, you know, back in that day, right? Play, I think I. As a, as a shooter, I could play with just about anybody, but I'd love to play in a system that works like Golden State system where they share the ball. Yeah. Where, you know, if you're open, you're going to get a shot. And when you get open, you shoot that shot. So um, you're saying you've been a two guard, you, you can shoot it. I can shoot. I can still shoot it right now today. All right, all right. That's, why is it? That's, not like a, that's not like a horse game because we both probably can't. I know I can't run them down, but that's a horse game. It got to happen. Why is it singers want to be athletes? Athletes want to be singers. I can't I, sing a note, man. Shaq, John Daly, and all I, these guys. I, I thought about why that is, and I think that for us, truly the greatest job on earth is professional athlete because everything that you put into it, if you get to that level, you're going to get out of it. In our business, it's not always the case. It's, very, it's really not that case for a very long period of time. I think that for athletes, there's just a different thing that goes along. There's a lifestyle and a thing that's recognized from our side that they may not get because they're only sometimes looked at as being athletes. I think that for us, there's a whole other uh, uh, sometimes stigma <laughs> that goes along <laughs> with being who we are that they don't necessarily get. But I think it's, I think it's kind of because of social media. I think that gap yeah. has closed considerably. Yeah, I played with a guy, Wayman Tisdale, bass oh, player, passed away. Wayman. Uh, yeah. and, and we would go on the road. I see your guitar behind you. He, he would go on the road with the bass on the plane. Right. He flew private <laughs> plane. And you could hear him in the room the night before a game playing the bass. He said, dude, take your butt to sleep because we got to play tomorrow night. <laughs> and he said, no, nah, I got it. I got, I'll be all right. But he took that thing everywhere, and obviously he became really, really good at it. But uh, he had a passion for both, and then I actually think he had more passion for the bass, bass guitar than playing basketball, actually. So I saw that live with him, and I saw his passion with that. That was crazy. So I know you have the same passion because you probably work on your craft every day, yes? I mean, at least I most every day. And having worked with Wayman, uh, yeah. it wasn't just – when you worked with him, you forgot that he played basketball. That's right. how good of a bass player he was. And I think, you know, when you when you make it to the highest level in something, I think you would probably have to apply that to every aspect of your life to be successful. Um, and I think that's a lesson that a lot of these kids need to learn, that you, 
you know, if, you, if you're going to be successful, you kind of have to look at your entire life and make all of that successful, or at the very least put in the same kind of effort at everything so that nothing falls through the cracks. Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of those things that when you look at, you know, guys that get in trouble or guys that, I, I always say this, you know, in the NBA, you've got a guy who's waiting by the phone to go to the gym and you get shots up and work on your game. So if you get to that level and then you're out in three years, to right. me, it's always like, for a guy like me, if you had that opportunity, I, they get they get tired of me, man. Rest. I'm like, I need to be in the gym. I need to be in the gym. It's taking no, a gym. Get some rest, you know. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, so, great you, stuff. You, so you mentioned, you know, kids. I know you, I've seen some videos and actually stuff like that over the years. But you got you know, your boys singing with you. I mean, yeah. I, I have my kids on here as well. So it's special that I'm sure they on stage with you. Tell me about their evolution because uh, they're try, trying to take after dad and the foot stuff, but they, they're not too bad though. They're not, you know, they hanging in there. They're super talented, but again, you know, children of divorce and and not having the kind of relationship that we used to have. Um, it, it's it's not something I necessarily need or want to talk about, but no, seeing no. seeing their their talent and what they're capable of doing and knowing that I had a hand in that uh, at the time when we were all on the road together was a very very special thing. Sure. One of America's greatest performers. He is Brian McKnight. He is singer, songwriter, actor, record producer. He's done it all. Brian, I do know that when Ralph was singing in church, they didn't put him in the front row. So no. uh, I'm sure he was one of those back row guys. Um, you were talking about your, uh, you know, singing in an early age and loving it. Do, a two-part question. Do you have the lyrics to the very first song you wrote? And did you ever record it? So the very first song that I wrote with lyrics, um, I don't think I ever recorded. And I, and here's something about me, a fun fact, I never write anything down. So for years in my studio, um, in the heyday, I had somebody who was there who, as I'm writing, they would write down the lyrics because I, I always play this little game in my head that if I can't write it in my head, then it's probably not meant to be written. The minute I write it down and I'm in the booth singing from a lyric sheet, for me, you can, you can tell that the person is reading those lyrics. So it still has to come to me organically. So I write uh, a stanza at a time and then I record that. Then I'll write the next verse and I'll come back and I'll sing it. As it and the more I sing it, the more it becomes uh, memory, memorized. So that's, yeah. that's kind of a weird thing for me. But yeah, that, you know, I've been writing songs probably since I was 12, but with lyrics since I was about 14. Wow. Is it lyrics first, then music? And I think you probably answered that or music. And I remember a John Tesh story and, uh, you know, John Tesh, who, who, who recorded and wrote the NBA theme. And he told a story about how he called his answer. He was on vacation and he called his answering machine and sang the, the, the music he had in his head on his answering machine gets home and writes the NBA theme. Da, 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 da. Now, yeah. is that something, I mean, do you utilize that kind of talent? Uh, it doesn't always come the same way. So sometimes it could be musical that comes first. There may be an idea of mm -hmm. a lyric that comes first, but in my head, there are probably eight to 10 works in progress that are going all the time. <sighs> in that way my whole life even before I could play there were all, there was always music that was going so it's really just a matter of today one of those may come down and I'll work on that but then there'll be a period of time right now I haven't written an entire song since my last record came out just probably six months ago so I'm storing up a bunch of things as I'm sitting at my piano right here and when I decide to write I'll 
treat you like that, it'll just start to happen. Uh, but sometimes you need, I really need that chance to get away from it um, and store it up and then come back to you. Ralph, so you're sitting, I think you're he sitting said, at home at the piano, Mac. You're sitting I think right he there said at the that, piano. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so that, that's like me. That's like me on the basketball court with the ball in my hand right there. I have no balls in this office, so I apologize from that standpoint. And no, and no awards on my wall. But I see a gold record back there. I see the guitar. Tell me about this is your studio. You have the piano, and those awards in the back, I'm sure, are special to you. It's like mine are, mine are my mother and father's house. So you just sit there and just write music, right? Or it just comes out. Uh, oh. Here's where I record. I write all over the house. So there's a guitar in just about every room in this house. So I'll watch TV, I'll watch the game, and I'll doodle around. And um, there's one by the bed, there's one in the bathroom. You know, it just depends whenever that inspiration hits. Plus, one, one of the things that the pandemic has done for me is that I never used to practice because I was yeah. on the road all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I would get that practice during sound check, but it wasn't a real practice. I've been able to become a way better musician during this pandemic because I really don't have anything to do but love my wife <laughs> and practice my practice these instruments. So it's been it's been fun. It's been really really. Well, fun. Has she kicked you out the room like going going to your studio <laughs> because you're playing too much and you know? No, you know my wife has seen uh, in the last seven years over 800 shows and she never wow, gets tired. Wow. Of, uh, never gets tired. Well, Ryan, I mean, do you, you know. so you have your piano right there. I do. Can you? Can you show us or take us through maybe a melody that kind of comes to your head or maybe the latest that maybe doesn't have lyrics yet or can so, you kind of take I'm us sitting, through I'm sitting at a piano and we can continue to talk, but I'm, it's actually virtual. So I'd have to, I'm, I'm going to pull up my, my, my computer here and pull up one of the, one of the we, thousand we pianos want, I have yes, in there. Exactly. There's something off the cuff that, you know, something that's with, a, with a guy that wants to play, wanted to play basketball, but came a, uh, <laughs> came a, um, a, a what else song guy in the world to a guy seven foot four to play. I mean, how, how do you mix that up, right? <laughs> I don't know how you mix that together. So I just have to, I have to pull one up. No, that's right. So you have a keyboard, a virtual keyboard on your computer. So behind my computer here, as you guys can see, is my entire computer setup. So Pro Tools, Logic is all Got there. it, got so it. In my brain back there, there's probably a thousand pianos, but the keyboard itself is sitting right here. So okay. in order play to, it. so I have to pull up the piano to actually play it. But they, they, didn't, they didn't have that in church when you were younger, right? They no, just had just, the piano. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy technology, right? Um, what Ralph, I tell you what, while he's looking, I'll fill, I'll do the, uh, the purpose, the purposeful radio thing. He has sold, he has sold millions, millions of records. He signed with Motown in 1998. He released the Christmas album, Bethlehem, the first of five albums that, uh, that Brian released yeah. with Motown in 1999, he released back at one, um, and his most successful album to date, which eventually went on to sell over 3 million copies. That was all. Only three, um, only three million. So that's, is, that's not that's not a is, whole lot. You know? I wrote down I wrote down a number today too. I'm gonna brag about Brian. I just love talent as you well as you do too. Thirty one music nominations of all the different. Or he's had thirty one nominations in two thousand. Outstanding male artist, nineteen ninety nine best R and B soul single any time. So <laughs> the guy, I love ta I love talent, and and as I said, I love musical talent too. So. Are you set, Brian? You got, are you good to go? Yeah, I, I have a piano up now, so okay, good. Pretty much the way these things start. I mean, it can it can start any kind of way. Okay. 
so it's just you know it's just it's just and that's not a song so, so that's just that's what when my when my hands decided to, to play. play yeah but so but, but mac look at it so he i watched him have you play that it's like me being on the court. I can relate to that. So when you start yeah. playing, you saw his head drop a little bit. You start doing like this. And so he's getting ready to get into it, but he stops. I get it. I get it. I get it. But no, that's, that's, you can you can see the feel, right? That's just oh, natural talent. What's the yeah. philosophy of the perfect lyric? Is there a, is there a lyric philosophy that songwriters and composers uh, just kind of have a, a you know a foundation, a fundamental? So I don't know what other writers do because I've been uh, a self-contained sort of solitary uh, performer in that vein my whole life. So I, I can't speak for them. For me, it's, it's mathematical. And that was before I met my wife because I didn't have a subject before I met her. So I basically had, if I had a story idea, I have this many notes. So the syllables that I come up with have to correspond with the number of notes that I have. So if you listen to the music that I do, I don't, take a one syllable word and put it over two notes or mm -hmm. two syllables put over one note. I'm really uh, anal about sticking to these rules that I have because I kind of feel like the human, the human psyche knows when you're cheating them. <laughs> and I think that also happens musically. And I think you can relate to that on the court, a guy who doesn't yeah. get back on defense or somebody that doesn't set a correct screen or right, somebody right. roll when they're supposed to roll. They're, they're cheating the audience from getting basketball the way it's supposed to be played, and that's the way I feel about music as well. I agree with that. Yeah, they, the fans definitely know when you're slacking. That's right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and they, Brian, and they, will, they will boo you out the gym, too. Fortunately, they, they, can't, they, they won't boo them off the stage because that's the way it works. So, so you mentioned that. So are you touring? What, what's going on in your world these days? I know the pandemic, as you said, has caused – you to practice more, but what's next for, for, for you and a tour? Because I'm sure everybody out there wants to know, yeah. you know, when we gonna see that voice again. Yeah, once we figure out what's happening with the pandemic, uh, I think this year we canceled almost 80 shows. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, every year we do over 100, some years and upwards of 150. Wow. Um, so we'll see what happens. Honestly, this is probably the, the first break I've taken in 15 years. Mm. Um, I don't think I would have, I think my, I needed the rest. I think my voice needed the rest. My brain needed the rest. When we go back and I'm sure we will go back, I will, I will attack it differently than I always have because I, I never thought that I would lose it. So I'm going to appreciate it a lot more and probably do less than I ever did before just to, to make it uh, less monotonous it can get monotonous like an 82 game season yeah. like game 80 game yeah, 80 you're like look. <laughs> yeah, but you, you forgot you forgot the eight uh preseason games and the yeah. 20 or so 30 or so playoff games so there's 120 games which is crazy right but yeah you know just playing night at night after night of night so, so, that's so, the other but, thing about athletes they know exactly every game they played every uh, game so you, you remember uh, all of them that's right the especially the ones you, especially the ones you lose so good <laughs> brian I, I had to ask before we went to break and I major league baseball opening day, you're in Cincinnati, you were asked to sing the national anthem from a sports standpoint. First of all, it's a tough song to sing. I've heard people say it's just impossible. Um, how do you interpret it? You want to interpret the national anthem your way, don't you? You do and you don't. Um, no matter what I'm singing, and this applies to the anthem, um, when a song is written so well, you shouldn't have to do a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking that the national anthem is another concert. It's not. It's 
a way to show your patriotism for this country um, when people aren't there to see the anthem, they're there to actually watch the game. So if you can do it quickly enough and tastefully enough, they'll remember that you did and they'll appreciate you for not destroying it, but also making it yours without making it, taking ownership of the song. I'm always thinking of Francis Scott Key when I'm singing it because he, he wrote an incredible song and the circumstances under which he wrote the song. I mean, this war is happening in that moment uh, and it's, it's moving. So I want to sing a version that's moving without making it a Brian McKnight concert. But I'll let you, but you'll know that it's me singing. Yeah, you'll know the voice. You yeah, know who it is. You'll know it's me. Yeah, that... <laughs> it's not a Brian McKnight concert, but that's the way I approach it. Uh, I can't speak for other people and I'm not trying to denigrate anybody else, whatever. However, you decide to do it unless you're Roseanne Barr or Carl Lewis. Not either one of those is good. <laughs> that's one of the so, greatest explanations I've ever heard. Do I you, try so, to picture Francis Scott Key. Are you kidding right, me? Exactly. So do you, do, so I recall, you know, there are certain moments of um, National Anthem that you recall. Yours was one of them, but I re, it was the first Marvin Gaye back in the early 80s. Yeah. You know, in L.A., there's got a beat to it was like the, the iconic, right? Everybody still remember. And he changed it up a little bit, changed the game yeah. with it as well. So you go from that to, you know, to Whitney, Whitney Houston, to all the other ones that sang it over the years. But, you know, like, as Brian said, I think even from my perspective, right, you know whose voice it is. You know, some people sing it, you don't know who it is. I mean, but you know certain people's voices and his actually was one of them that you will remember and you'll know where you were when you sang that song. So uh, it's it's one of those iconic memories. Brian, where did your song, where did your your voice style, where did that come from? Who, who, who did you follow early that, you know, who impressed you the most and said, that's who I want to be? You know, uh, there's several people and I'm a, I'm a, a student of every piece of music I've ever heard. So as a choir boy, I sang like a choir boy when I was <laughs> until I heard Stevie Wonder. Once I heard Steve, that changed the whole world for me because this guy could bend notes and do things, but stay within the melody while he was singing. So then I said, well, who else sings like that? Uh, growing up in the eighties um, where you could hear every kind of music, it became, wow, it was Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. It was uh, uh, Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. Um, so I sing my background vocals like McDonald, but then I do some Stevie stuff in there. And then my mother, she, she, I did, I did a solo in church one time right after my voice changed. And it was so Stevie that I thought I was patting myself on the back. <laughs> I thought, I thought I was Stevie. And my mother, who was, you know, the pianist in the church, she came up to me and I was like, you didn't like that? She's like, no. She's like, there's already Stevie Wonder. Who are you going to be? How are you going to set yourself apart? from the things that you've heard. And I started to figure out my own style, which was rip off everybody you can, <laughs> but make it your own in some way. Figure <laughs> out your own deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's too funny, that's too funny, yeah. So Stevie is iconic as far as I know him a little bit from my history, whatever, but I amazing piano player and song and lyrics, whatever, so that's somebody good to follow. But take me through the process of, you know, just, you know, one, you know, I've seen your golf game, so I understand a little bit about that. You have this golf bag that everybody knows about, right? <laughs> you know, so I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to that side of you because no, not too many people know that. Uh, and you play with one of my good friends, Anthony Dory, but I've seen the golf bag. It's got. Tell me about that. I won't, I won't spoil the uh, opportunity for people to say that. So uh, I, I'm one of these people that thinks that if you if you look as good as you possibly can, you might <laughs> take that. 
You might your, play better. Your bag has to be perfect. Your clothes have to be pristine. Your shoes, your clothes, everything. Uh, so, you know, Scotty, Scotty Cameron, who is the guru of putters, also makes gear. And every year he comes out with a couple of tour bags that are just... If you can get one, which I've never seen anybody else with one but me, except people. <laughs> it's just, you know, my wife knows I love them. So every Christmas I know she probably gets me another one. So, I, you know, it's, it's fantastic. She show up with that bag and, you know, have it and living right here on the golf course. I go up there and people, you know, everybody's oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I got the great bag. <laughs> so it's the you look. Know? It's not the game. It's the look. It's the well, way, you know, way you look first, and feel. At first it was the look. It's the game now. Okay, all right. It's the game now. Solid three handicap. I think it's the game too. All right, well, right. Yeah. Ralph, uh, you look you look seventy. You talk eighty. You shoot ninety. That's the old. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, Brian, I'm, uh, just a quick story. Bob Rotella, who you know is a, one of the leading uh, uh, psychology guys, uh, who deals, who works with a lot of golfers, sports psychologist, is really really good. And his daughter became an excellent golfer and has and had this short game like I had never seen. And I was doing a story with her. Her name is Casey. And I said, Casey, how did your short game get so good? And I'm tying music in with this. She said, well, you know, I'm a Beatles fan. She goes, when I'm around the green, I think of the first two notes of Hey Jude. And, and I so when I would get in a pressure situation and I was playing some tournament golf, whatever, but I remembered instead of getting quick, cause you know, you can skull short game shots yeah. in a heartbeat. But I mean, it was, Hey Jude. And I, it just became it just became perfect for me. Those first two notes. Is there a song in your head when you play golf? I got to ask that. No, you know, I'm one of these technical guys. I'm a tinkerer. Um, and I think the more you do it, the more repetition you possibly can get, you'll be in those situations and you'll mm -hmm. know what to do. Uh, if my mind is on it, when I'm on the shot, I'm only thinking about the shot. And when I'm not on the shot, I'm thinking about anything else. Mm -hmm. You cannot concentrate on something for four and a half hours. So yeah, yeah, right. You you have to really manage your time while you're out there so that you're not so you don't get mentally fatigued as much as you will get physically. Well, I'm not going to charge you for the Hey Jude tip. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure that out, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So yeah, so it's uh, so so golfing to singing to. So let's get a little deeper into it. like so. Your philanthropy, tough stuff you do other than singing and golf. What is some of the things you like to do? That I mean, especially this time of year. This is you know our, our Christmas show, basically. Obviously, your favorite Christmas song that that's yours that you like to sing. But I know there's another side of you somewhere there. Yeah. So my wife is a uh, Leilani. She is a pediatric neurophysiologist. She you know, does brain surgery on children. Man, you, you, you married, you married up, man. That's, I mean, oh, yeah. that's, 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 yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And she's also a former Hawaiian tropic model. She's a former Hawaiian tropic model. Oh, and pediatric girl. So yeah, I, look, you, you got, everybody's seen the pictures. I don't have, I, 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 <laughs> you I, gotta I say a word, right? you gotta say a word, right? but you know, seeing the plight of how many children have brain anomalies since the day that we met and the work that she does every year we travel to Australia for uh, Charlie Tao's foundation, um, who, who is the, the cutting edge uh, neurosurgeon you know in the world, and I raise money for his foundation every year because it just it just it it kills me that there isn't more light on you know brain and anomalies out there because it, it's, it's it's killing folk like you would not believe man so every yeah. year. Uh, other than this year, because we weren't able to travel, but every year for the last three or four years, we go and we 
Um, we partake in, in that foundation. And also with uh, Andrea Bocelli's foundation, we go every year to help him um, with autism and, and uh, Parkinson's and all. And yeah. So it's always important to me. I haven't found my own cause yet, but it's always great to lend my talent. Yeah, absolutely. It's also with David Foster and his foundation every year as well. So having friends with, you know, with huge foundations that are doing really good things is always important. Yeah, Andrew uh, Bocelli used to do the Muhammad Ali fight night in right. Arizona all the time. That's right. Uh, you've probably been there as well. But I went over. We went over to his house to raise that. So tell tell us tell that foundation again, because I want people listening. How do they donate? And are you do you have a special name to it, or you yeah, just so you just Charlie money? Tail, Charlie Tail is Charlie Tail Foundation. David Foster is the David Foster Foundation, and Andrea Bocelli is Fight Night. Right. Fight Night right. and Andrea Bocelli's foundation together. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I, I've been there. I saw Muhammad Ali and, I mean, Lionel Richie. I mean, it's kind of crazy to see everybody there at uh, in Arizona. So it was a great event. I'm sure you've, you've seen it and been there. So everybody support that, that for sure. Yeah, good stuff. So, Brian, before we we check out, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but could you play a little of uh, something? Uh, for us? It's got to be a Christmas song, Mac. It's got to be like jingle, right, jingle bells off the cuff. Or one, be jingle bells. Or, or win, or, something, or you, you know, know, just something live. I mean, you know, it just, uh, I had to ask. I had, to, <laughs> I had to be one of those guys. Oh, Christmas. You encounter me. Please have snow and mistletoe. Under the tree, Christmas Eve will find me where the love light He has a future. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to. I think he's going to be pretty good at some point once he grows up. Yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, never grow up. We we'll never grow up. It's good. Uh, stay, I, stay young. That's so <laughs> I just and, and truly, um, somebody who's a frustrated singer, but but what you do with your voice at that falsetto, how you work that voice is just uh, amazing. I don't know if you teach other kids how to sing and you work with their voices but uh brian that's fabulous that's just fabulous i yeah, appreciate you. it yeah i mean you can't say anything else but that after that right? you see, <laughs> i had to, i had to say something i was gonna sit here and cry like a baby <laughs> <laughs> so so just, so, so most of the time my hold on no i don't know brian most of the time it's women crying like a baby not not a guy crying like a baby so it's good it's all the women song that, that, uh, that hits is good it's really it perfect. Good no, that was that was special. So, Brian, what is what is next now? And we get to let's let's say we get into twenty one and things start to. Will you start to tour then? Will you really look at yeah. the tour schedule? So there's still shows that we 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 didn't really cancel. We postponed them. So as we as things start to open up, which I think they will, 
um, we'll just plug those things in as, as the year begins, uh, 2021, and we'll try to get mm -hmm. 2020 behind us. Uh, and I try to stay as in touch as I can with my fans on social media, let them know the websites, through, you know, my, my various uh, places for them to, to see me when that's yeah. going to happen. None of us really knows yet, but when okay. we do, of course, I'm going to be back on the road. Maybe not as much, but definitely I'll be back on the road. Awesome. Hey, it's the one and only. I appreciate it. Thanks so much Thanks for your for time. Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh... it's been, it's been very fun. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is Samson Family Foundation dot org uplift empower educate it takes teamwork to make the dream work it's another christmas holiday it's a joyous thing that the angels sing because we're together we got a thing can't let it slip Welcome back to Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winter Circle Network. I'm Mac McDonald. Boy, that was, um, God, that was special. I could, I could listen to his voice, uh, all, I mean, literally all day. I, I could have him on all day. And, and uh, I just, I love what he does. And I love, he's, he's got the right perspective, Ralph, from a, you know, from a singer's, performer's standpoint. He's really got just a fabulous perspective. Yeah, you, I mean, you see his, you know, from in the church as a young man, uh, to family support, to, you know, being on a football field, basketball field, baseball field, and having to balance going to sing with the family to going to play, uh, to his work ethic, uh, and some of the stories about wanting to play the game of basketball and mm -hmm. be a, a two-guard. But uh, you see it. You saw it when he was singing the first uh, few lyrics that he said. He put his head down and mentioned that as well. He kicks right into gear. Uh, into his zone, like a basketball yeah. player would kick into your zone. He kicks right into it and just naturally talented. It. So it's not too many people like Brian McKnight. The way to, you know, the great ones like you, you knew how to focus uh, big free throws, excluding final game, Maryland. But I mean, you had, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, but I mean, you had the ability. Well, l let me put it this way. In sports, there's a thing called the zone. Mm -hmm. And you've been there before, you know, big games, big nights. The basket looks like, you know, a bushel basket. I mean, you've had those nights for sing for him to carry around eight to 10 melodies in his head at this time. And then maybe, you know, six or seven sets of lyrics and they're just there and he hasn't finished them, but he knows they're there. I mean, it just takes a pretty high IQ to be able to do that. I don't care what, what you say. Uh, definitely high IQ, but again, that's that natural ability. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you mentioned Stevie Wonder, right? You, you, you somebody that's blind and can't see and, and, right. and hears the music in his head and, and sees the keys. I mean, he's one of the most amazing people that you can ever imagine that uh, does what he does. But Brian also is has that gift, 
and he knows how to use that gift uh, for you know with his talent. So, I mean, it's not much you can say about what he does, how he does it. It's just a great person that uses his gifts to bless the world with his music. And you mentioned earlier, three million records sold, one point mm-hmm. eight million views on "I Win." Songs like that, I mean, I mean, you can't go wrong. You just can't go um, wrong. Ralph, from an athlete, and I'll ask, I'll ask you, great athletes really, you don't know when that zone or what, when that night is going to produce the zone that you're in, but you can prepare for having that kind of night. Am I, am I correct in asking you that? Well, I mean, you prepare for that every game. You know, you, you find a groove, but... You know, when I used to be in the zone, I mean, you hear people, I don't change my socks. I don't change the shoes. I, mm-hmm. I want to stay in that zone for weeks at a time. And you know in the game when you start to feel really hot and lathered up and run up and down the court and, you know, you, you can be unstoppable, then you feel it and you, you never want to come out of that. But the game will be over when the game is over. you got to go home and do the same thing and get ready for the next game. But a player will know when that zone is typically – uh, while they're in it. They don't know how they got there, but right. they know when they get there and they play that they are there and they want to stay in that. And then they try to duplicate that uh, day in, day out. And from a basketball perspective, I think it's much harder, you know, or a sports perspective, much harder because you play on somebody else different the next night. Yeah. And then you got to travel. Now, Brian has to travel, right, and whatever, but the songs are the same. The audience are different, but it's like looking – into the stand in the basketball arena, I see no faces. I just hear noise. And so he looks in the crowd and sees faces, and he's up there in his zone by himself. Yeah. And he could be singing to himself or think he's singing to his wife, whatever he's envisioning in that zone. And he knows w- when he had it. And they might go extra songs, right? They come out and applaud, applaud, applaud. And he'll come out and do two extra songs because he feels it, right? So it's the same thing from a sports perspective, but it, just in a different arena. Well, I want to wish you Merry Christmas with this question, though. I want to ask this. Do you remember your favorite Christmas? My favorite Christmas? Yeah, do you have a, do you have a favorite Christmas that just oh happened? Oh, my God. That, that you will always remember? Could have, been a, could have been a toy, could have been a family member, could have been. You think you have one? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's Christmases are, you know, in phases. So as a, as a young kid. I can remember us and my uncle, uh, one of my mother's brothers, chopped down a tree on the farm mm-hmm. and bought it in. Now it, it was probably the worst-looking tree ever. <laughs> a Charlie uh, Brown, a Charlie. Yeah, because the tree, the trunk. I mean, it had no lift, but it was the most beautiful after we we decorated, right? So I met yeah. at Christmas in a tree growing up, and we had a good time of that. And then as you grow up and you have your own kids and. And my kids know this. Whatever we we've always I always was a big believer in Christmas. I, I wanted to be Santa. I wanted to be the toy guy. Yeah. And so, Christmas Eve was my day. Um, <laughs> and yeah. you know, two days before was my day. I would go. I had, a, had a, a van. I would try to go around to every place I would go to, and I just filled the van up with toys, especially toys of us, and have the biggest Christmases ever. Uh, from that standpoint. But then I would take my kids out on Christmas Eve, and they would buy stuff for each other. Yeah, and they go to two or three stores, and I give them money. You go over there and buy stuff for your brother or sister, whatever it be. So that was always special to me. And even now and today, you know, after they after growing up, uh, I still spend it with my mom and dad a little bit, and just it's very quiet. We eat, but my mother will say, "Don't buy me nothing." 
We don't need anything. I don't need anything. But if you don't have anything on that tree, so oh yeah, like that's gonna mad. happen. That's not, yeah, not gonna happen. So yeah, it was all, all of them are really really fun, but uh, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, how about stuff. you? you got, I know you got. Well, Christmas just coming. it was such a favorite. There are so many of them with with my father. It was such a favorite. I mean, he started pushing back window open presents. I think we started opening like December third because we would see we'd get so anxious. Uh, but I mean, he he loved it so much that I can't go to a Christmas Eve service and hear a children's choir sing Silent Night. I am just a pool. I just there are tears rolling down my face, and it just uh, because I always think of him. So it's almost every Christmas with him was uh, was pretty special. So yeah, hey, absolutely. so have a good week. Um, this was fun. I'm sure I'll talk to you before uh, before Christmas. But uh, I hope you have a great one. If I don't get a chance to tell you in person, absolutely. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody out there, and uh, have a good one. Stay safe. All right, thank you, Stick. And that is Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winter Circle Network. Then you're the only one for me Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times, and stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in, but you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. 